Good morning, Lift Church. It is so good to see you this morning. If you don't know me, my name is Adam Milkman, and I'm so blessed to serve as the youth director here at Lift Church. I just want to say, if this is your first time or your hundredth time worshiping with us this morning, we are so thankful that you're here. We'd love to get connected with you in the best way that we know how, and that's by going to Lift Church dot info and filling out a connect register. Fill out that with as much information as you feel comfortable with, but specifically at the bottom, feel free to put down a prayer request. We have a team of people that are thrilled to be praying for you throughout the week, and there are people that will pray constantly for those prayer requests that you put down. So if there's something that's heavy on your heart or you just want to share in prayer with, please put that down as a prayer request. We would love to join you in prayer. Again, the connection register and prayer requests, liftchurch.info. Second thing, today is Father's Day. Fathers, we are so incredibly thankful for you. Uh, to my dad specifically, I hope you're watching. Wow, I can't even begin to explain how incredible it has been to watch us, watch you love us, your kids, in a way that we know how much you love Christ. So dad, Thank you for demonstrating an incredible lifetime of love and support and passion for raising us to be godly children of Christ. To all our fathers out there, we're so thankful for all that you do for your families, for all that you do for your children, and thank you so much for loving us in ways that we never could have imagined. Another quick announcement, next Saturday is so exciting because we get to gather all together for our summer social. We'll be at Ironwood Springs from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. The morning time, 9 to 11, we're going to be going through that next step in our church reconciliation process, going through some of the things that we talked about in those Zoom meetings that you met with our elders and staff and talk about what some of the next steps forward are for our church. We're going to follow that with a time of praise and worship all together. Don't worry, it will still be socially distant, responsible, but we want to make sure that we can see each other face to face in the best way that we possibly can. And then after that, we're going to have some fun doing some socially responsible activities, uh, maybe some volleyball, maybe some mini golf, who knows, but we want to see you there. Ironwood Springs this coming Saturday. It's going to be so good good to see everyone in person. Lift Youth, if you are watching this, man, come find me. I have treats. I have snacks from all those events that got canceled in March. Man, I, I, I don't want this candy sitting in my garage anymore. So come find me next Saturday, and I would love to give you a treat because I just miss you guys so incredibly much. I hope to see you all there. Um, and then finally, our last thing that we want to talk about, last week, Pastor Seth preached an incredible message on 1 John and about making sure that we are following Christ, but also that we are in a relationship with Christ. And we opened up a special offering for that last week to join them as they partner with some of the schools in their area who have been hit hard by both COVID-19 and the protests following George Floyd's murder. Uh, we just wanted to let you know that that offering is still continuing through this weekend. Our goal is to raise $5,000 for them as they continue to partner with schools in the area.
Uh, and if you want to contribute for that, we're going to end that offering tonight. We're a little over a fourth of the way there, so we would love for all of you to join us in giving if your heart is spurred to help knit together these communities that have been hurting really hard over the last few months. You can go back to liftchurch.info, go to the offering link, and then click the benevolence link to make sure that your offering specifically goes to that this weekend. Uh, you can give a normal offering as well. Don't get me wrong. We still would love to continue to make Jesus known in Rochester, the state, and our country and world, but that specific offering this weekend will be going, specific benevolence offering this weekend will be going to Pastor Seth and Brook Community Church. We also have an exciting opportunity to go and help out with the result of that offering as well. Uh, on July 17th and 18th, we'll be sending a team up to Brook Community Church to package together some of these care kits that they are making for their community, um, having a great time growing in connections with Brook Community Church and distributing those out to the communities that are hurting. So if you're interested in that event in any way, please email chris at kolala at liftchurch.co. Hopefully her information's right down here and we can get together a team that will send up to the cities to help out next month. I think that's all that I have this morning. We're gonna be jumping right into a time of praise and worship before we dig into the word of God. So I wanna just invite you to pray with me. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful that we can continue to gather uh, online, even though we're still not quite ready to gather all together. Lord, as we continue to move forward in our world, we just pray that you continue to light the path in front of us. As things can be constantly chaotic or confusing or painful, Lord, we know that you are there and you are walking with us and you are walking for us, Lord. So we just bring you our praise and worship this morning. We're so thankful for what you're doing in our lives. And Lord, most importantly, we're so thankful that you continue to be the source of good and resounding positivity and passion in this world. As we move closer to you, we know that our hearts will continue to get softer. And most importantly, Lord, we open ourselves up to all that you can do in our lives and in our world. Heavenly Father, we pray all of these things in your majestic and glorifying name. Amen. So good to see you, Lift Church. We're going to jump right into praise and worship right here. Stand away. 
so kind to me Before I took a breath You breathed your life in me You have been so, so
worship. You hold it all. You hold it all. You hold it all. You hold it all. One more time. Sink down. You hold it all. You hold it all. You hold it all. You hold it all. I was 16 and driving a 1978 Grand Prix. Now the 1978 Grand Prix was not the Grand Prix of today. The 1978 Grand Prix, the best way to describe it is, it was like a boat. I'm talking the two full benches, full bench in front, full bench in back. Legally, it could sit six people. Illegally, I'm just telling you, you could put in 15 people into this thing. So, in my 1978 Grand Prix, there were, there were a couple of issues with it. The first was the speedometer was broken. It's a little bit of an issue when you're, when you're 16 and, uh, and you're driving a car. I had no idea how fast I was going. This, the second issue with this car was that if you, if you let it stop, if, if, it, if you came to a stop sign or a stoplight and you, like, it, it just went into neutral, it actually like, would shut off. So I, I had to learn as a very young man, how to keep the accelerator going and yet have the brake on at the same time. Now, you may think my parents are crazy. It is what it is, but that's what I was doing. I went over to a friend's house one day and sure enough, it was, uh, it was really it was full of traffic and I was pulling out of his driveway, pulling out of his street. And, and he lived in this place where you came to the stop sign and then you had to take a left to get to my house and the street that you had to cross was incredibly busy, especially during uh, rush hour. So here I was, it was raining a little bit. I'm at the stop sign. I'm looking for this, that little window, right? That little window to be able to pull out, to be able to, to be able to get home. So sure enough, I'm at the stop sign. Rain is coming down. I see the hole. I see the window of opportunity. I start. I, I pull out of the lane, I begin to take a left-hand turn. The car that is behind, now as, as I'm turning left, the car behind honks on his horn. It freaks me out. It scares me. I, I do a little wind tail, coming back, I end up in a ditch. True story. End up in a ditch, 16, with my mom's car. Now what in the world am I going to do? And so sure enough, I actually, one of my friends actually stopped on by. He, like, he got out of the car, like he got out of his car. He said, hey, let me help you push. He tries to start pushing. Uh, Mike, there's just no way we're getting out of this ditch. So the reality is we, I am stuck and there is no way out. I can try to push the gas pedal as far as I want. I can try to ramp that engine. I can get those wheels turning as much as I can. There's no way out alone. 
And for some of us, as we think of that place of being stuck, that's where we're at. When we think of being stuck, we, we think of a, of a place where we're just spinning our tires and, and we can't get out. We, we think of a place that alone, outside of anybody else helping us, we're stuck. We're going to be in the same job that we're living in. We're going to have the same relationship that we're with. We're just stuck. And, and Lift Church, the reality is we're stuck. We've been slipping. It's not by lack of effort. We certainly have tried to get out of the ditch. I mean, we've struggled, we've battled, we've tried to get out, and yet we find ourselves stuck. And even as we look at the nation, the nation that we live in and the nation that we love, we're stuck. I mean, when it comes to the sin of racism, we are stuck. We've got to get out. How in the world do we get out? When you're stuck, there's two questions you ask yourself. You, you, the, the, the two questions you ask is, number one, how did I get here? How did I get here? And the second question is, how do I get out? Right? I mean, think about it. I, I mean, I know when I, when I found myself in the ditch, I, I looked at my car going, how did I get here? How did I find myself? You know, you think of the rain coming down. You think of the... Well, the jerk car that like honked his horn at me. You, you, you think of the, the rush hour traffic. Um, you, you know, and then you think of your own self. Right? You're like, man, that was my fault. It was my fault. Like, how did I end up in this ditch? And, and listen, as we find ourselves in a ditch, as we find ourselves stuck in a wilderness, as we find ourselves stuck in a desert, we ask, how did we get here? How did we get this job that we have that we're just find ourselves stuck and life is miserable how do how do we get ourselves in this relationship where we're sitting down with with a friend or, or we're sitting down like in in the midst of our marriage or in the midst of our family dynamics with our kids and we feel stuck how do we get so addicted to a certain behavior a, a certain a certain struggle a certain temptation a couple weeks ago i was at a restaurant and uh, I, was, I was sitting down at, at a nearby table, and I heard this woman saying to the bartender, uh, she said to him, I'm supposed to be at rehab. And instead, she's what? She's at a bar, drinking a drink. And she said this. She said, I went yesterday, but I couldn't go today. Instead, I want to have a drink. We find ourselves stuck and we ask, how did I get here? And, and John talked about this a week ago, right? He, he talked about that we can be, we're, we're born or, or part of a system of oppression that's outside of our control. I mean, we talked about Moses. We, we talked about Sean Carter, a.k.a. Jay-Z, where, where we're living this out, this, this, this racism and the struggle that we're battling right now. I mean, I mean currently, right, we're, we're in the midst of, in the midst of this, in this battle, my, my good pastor friend, uh, who's an African-American, his three-year-old son came up to him a week ago and said, Hey, Dad, Daddy, don't go to work. I don't want you to get shot. We are stuck. This is not right. How do we find ourselves here? The second reason why we get stuck is we make poor choices. We make bad decisions. 
And in general, we just get stuck. And this morning, we're going to focus on the second question. How do I get out? How do I get out of being stuck? How do I get out of this reality that we find ourselves in? Because the reality is, as I looked up my car in the ditch, I certainly asked, how did I get stuck? But let me tell you something. I want to know, how do I get out? How do we get freedom? How do we get out of the journey that we're in or the stuckness of life? Because I'm tired. I'm tired of what we're dealing with as a nation. I'm tired of what we're dealing with as a church. And I'm tired of what we deal with personally. I want out. I want the freedom that God gives to us. I want the freedom that gospel gives to us. And we have to realize that, is that for most of us, the way out, it's a journey. But remember this, it's a journey that starts with a relationship. It's a journey that starts with a relationship. And just as God met Moses, He will meet you. Say that. Just as God met Moses, He will meet you. And maybe this morning it's bold to say, maybe it's too bold to say, but this morning could be your burning bush moment. This morning could be your moment of freedom today or tonight, whenever you're listening in or watching in on this video, it could be your moment of freedom. Turn your Bibles to Exodus chapter 2, starting at verse 23. Here's what the Word of God says. During those many days, the king of Egypt died. And the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery and cried out for help. Their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God. And God heard their groaning. And God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. God saw the people of Israel and God knew. Just look at that last verse. God heard, God remembered, God saw, and God knew. God's not distant. God is near. God is with us. God sees us. God knows you. He remembers you. He knows his promises. He's not going to let us down. And he's certainly not going to let Moses and the nation of Israel down. Let's continue. Chapter 3, verse 1 says this. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, And he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Oreb, the mountain of God. So here is Moses. Moses is tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, for 40 years at this point. For 40 years, there's been silence. For 40 years, Moses has been refiguring life out. For 40 years, he's been tending the flocks of his his father-in-law Jethro. 40 years of building a new life. If you look at the life of Moses, the first 40 years he spent in Egypt, right, in in Pharaoh's house. And and, and then he had that crisis, that that moment where he killed an Egyptian soldier. And then he fled. And he fled to Midian. And he fled to this desert, this wilderness, this place of being stuck. And think about this, for 40 years, he's been stuck. 40 years of being in this 
wilderness, 40 years of silence, 40 years of wondering, am I done? 40 years of, of Moses wondering, will I ever go back to Egypt? 40 years of possibly asking himself, man, I wonder what happened to the Hebrews. I wonder what happened to my people. I wonder what happened to these people that I thought I was going to lead out at some point. Or maybe, honestly, we, we don't know. Maybe, maybe Moses had come to that place that he was so far gone, like so stuck, he didn't even think about it anymore. He, he didn't even think about the life that he, he could have led or, or would have led. And, and for some of us, like we're in that place. We, we, we think about our own lives and we think, man, we, we made that mistake and we're so far gone, like forget it. God's done with me. Or we're, we're in a relationship with somebody and it's, it's 20, 30, 40 years of marriage. And we're like, man, it's just, it's a struggle. It's a battle, but it is what it is. 10 years into a job that just seems like it's going nowhere. We get stuck. We get stuck in, in our lives. We get stuck in the relationships. We get stuck in what happens. And you got to remember this. The journey starts with a relationship. And just as God met Moses, he will meet you. Look at verse 2 of chapter 3. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight. Why this bush is not burned. This was the day. Now listen, when Moses woke up this morning, it was just an ordinary day. Moses just simply woke up, started tending the flock. He simply did what he was doing every day. And yet, this day, everything changed. This day, Moses sees this bush that's on fire, yet not burning up. And, and Moses, in this common, ordinary day, nothing more, nothing less, just, just another day, I mean, th I mean, think about it. It was his 14,600th day as Jethro's right, assistant shepherd. And in this moment, everything can change. And that is the way God works. Without even a hint of warning, he speaks to ordinary people on ordinary days. He can speak at any moment, at any day. It's the way that God works. It's the way that he works in our lives at times. Sure, sometimes he speaks and just with, with this volume or, or, or moments that, that were like shock and awe, but sometimes it's just an ordinary day. And God speaks. God meets Moses where he's at. And when we're stuck, God will meet you where you are. But there's two choices that Moses made, and there's two choices that we need to make. You ready? First one is this. Take time to turn. Take time to turn. When you are stuck, you will have to make a choice. Will you take time to turn? I mean, look at the text. Look at what Moses does. He turns. He notices. He pauses long enough in that day he pauses what he was doing 
and he's curious and he wants to know what's going on. Do whatever it takes in your life to pause and wait and look and trust and see what God is doing. Take time to turn and seek God. I mean, Live Church, this is what we're doing right now. We're taking time to turn and to seek the Lord. And as a nation, we need to take time to seek the Lord. This last week, I was talking with Pastor Seth, uh, who is a church that we help plant in the city of Minneapolis called The Brook. And, and Pastor Seth lives two blocks away from where George Floyd was killed. I, I want you to think about this. This is what he, did, he talked to me about. He said, Chicago in 38th is where George Floyd was killed. Chicago in 40th is where Pastor Seth lives. And, and he said, and at Chicago in 39th, in the city of Minneapolis, there's like this dividing line between poverty and, and people with, with wealth. And as I was talking to Pastor Seth, he, he described something that he was learning. He described something, and, and, and he said something like this, when it comes to racism, when it comes to the journey that we're on, he says, it's time to move from a movement, from a movement of healing to a movement of change. Did you hear that? Like it's time to move from a movement of healing to a movement of change. Are we listening? Are we being willing to listen to, to our African-American brothers and sisters who have things to say to us? Are, are we willing to listen to what God has for us in this moment? Are we willing to turn and pause and ask them deeper and tougher questions? Are we willing to listen to what God is trying to teach us? I mean, think about Micah, Micah chapter 6, verse 8. He has told you, O oh man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. This is what God is saying to us. Think, think about what God says in Isaiah chapter 1, verses 16 to 17. Wash yourselves, make yourselves clean, remove the evil of your deeds from before my eyes. Cease to do evil, learn to do good, Seek justice, correct oppression, bring justice to the fatherless, please the widow's cause. We're to correct oppression, followers of Jesus. We're to step in. As a nation, are we willing to turn back to God as, as a church? Are we willing to stop and pause and turn to God and, and in the current situation that we're in and wait on Him? As individuals, maybe you're stuck. You're stuck in an addiction. You're stuck in a relationship. You're stuck in a job. I don't know where you're stuck. Are you willing to take time to turn in your stuckness? Take time to turn. Turn to Jesus. Moses saw the bush and he went over. He stopped what he was doing to turn to see what was happening. And, and look at verse 4. Look at what happens as Moses turns. Verse 4. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see. Do you see that? When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called to him 
out of the bush, Moses, Moses. God spoke when Moses turned. Listen, the journey starts with a relationship. And just as God met Moses, he will meet you. And the first choice that we need to make is take time to turn. Take time to turn to God. Let's continue on because there's another choice we need to make. The second choice we need to make is this. Surrender. I'm here, Lord. Surrender. I'm here. Look at verse 4. Verse 4 says this. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses, and he said to him, Here I am. That's what Moses said. Here I am. This, This Hebrew word, this Hebrew word, here I am, can simply be rendered, I'm here. Can simply be remembered, rendered, it's me. That, that, that's all Moses said. Moses just said, here I am. I'm here. I mean, I find that just refreshing, honestly, in the response that we can have with God. Like, Moses didn't do a bunch of stuff. Moses didn't have to make a bunch of stuff happen. Moses simply said, I'm here. Are you willing to say, I'm here? Are you willing to say, it's me? Are you willing to show up? I remember when I was at Wheaton College, and, uh, and there was, a, honestly, a revival that had hit the campus. Uh, during the time that I was there. And I remember being uh, in, uh, in my apartment, hearing about what was going on and having to make a choice. Am I just going to show up? Am I going to show up at this place of worship? Am I going to show up in the midst of the revival? That changed my life. It impacted my life forever. Are you willing to show up? I remember being on missions trips. Like, Are you just willing to show up? Maybe it's a peaceful protest in, in your community. I, I know for me, like that's, this is what we consider this week. Are we willing just to show up? Because there's moments where God is speaking. Are we willing to say, I'm here? Are you willing to show up? Look at verses 5 and 6. And then he said, do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, and God said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, so he was afraid to look at God. When, when Moses said, I'm here, God reintroduced himself. And God said, this is who I am. God met Moses right where he was at. Look at verses 7 to 10. And then, the Lord, and then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of, <clears throat> because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hizzites, and the Jebusites. And now behold, The cry of the people of Israel has come to me, as I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. God draws us in to send us out. 
after 40 years, God is sending Moses back to his people. God is sending Moses back out to deliver. Look what God has said. I've surely seen, I've, I've heard their cry, I'm aware of their sufferings, and I've come down to deliver. I will send you. And just as God met Moses, he will meet you. Are you stuck? Are you stuck personally? What can we do? Two choices, two choices that we need to make. Are you willing to turn to God? Are you willing to surrender? A guy by the name of Dr. Raymond Edmund, Edmund, he was in a place that he was stuck. And in a small book called Quietness and Confidence, he wrote this. Something painful happened to me, and this is how I met it. I was quiet for a while with the Lord, and then I wrote these words for myself. First, he brought me here. It is by his will I am in this straight place. In that fact, I will rest. Next, he will keep me here in his love and give me grace as his child. Then, he will make the trial a blessing, teaching me the lessons he intends me to learn and working in me the grace he knows he needs to bestow. And last, in his good time, he can bring me out again, how and when only he knows. Let me say, I am here first by God's appointment, second in his keeping, third under his training, and fourth for his time. God is moving. God is working. He is doing things beyond that we can understand. And the journey of getting unstuck begins a relationship, begins with a relationship with God. Will you trust him and will you surrender to him? Let's get back to my ditch. Let's get back to the ditch that we are in. And how in the world do I get out is what I asked myself as a 16-year-old teenager as I'm stuck with my mom's car. How am I gonna get out? There's no way I can get out by myself. As I was sitting there by the side of the road, this older couple, this older couple came alongside and they had this pickup truck. And he got out some of the chains out of his pickup truck. He put them on to my car. He, he like took care of everything. But he asked me this one question. He said, do you want me to help you? Do you want me to help? Are you okay with what's gonna happen as I pull you out of this ditch? And as I sat there in that ditch, I saw my way out. It was to say yes. It was to agree to have this older gentleman help me out. And all I can say is he took up his, he took his pickup truck, he chained me up, he pulled me out, and honestly, within a flash, five seconds later, like I looked back to thank him, he was gone. He was gone. There is no way I was getting out by myself, but there was a way with the help of another. Listen, when you're stuck, God is bigger. When you're stuck, God is your way out. He proved it by the cross. The ultimate stuckness, the ultimate stickiness of our life is our sin. Our battle is spiritual. We get stuck in our sin. We get stuck in our addictions. We get stuck in our selfishness. We get stuck in our racism. And the only way that we can get 
out is through Jesus. Jesus provided the way out. He died on the cross. He rose from the grave to prove that he is who he said he is. Will we believe? Will you turn to him and will you surrender your life to him? I hope you do. I hope you make that that decision this morning, this afternoon, or tonight as you're listening in. You're not too far gone. You're never too far stuck for God to help you out. The journey begins with the relationship. Will you begin that today? Take advantage of the moment that you have right now. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for this moment. We thank you for this time. Lord, we surrender our lives. We turn to you and surrender our lives to you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for providing the way out. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
fight is won. 